Good morning, Maranatha. This is Pastor Evangelist Robert Venable, and we welcome you back to our Sunday morning sermon right here on our website. We're so glad that you've joined us today once again as we get ready to go to the Word of God. Uh, I'm going to do something different this morning than I normally do. I don't know if I've ever done this before. There may have been an occasion where we have, but this I feel strongly impressed to bring this teaching that we began in our Wednesday Bible study. Let's talk about Jesus and continue it right here on Sunday morning. Because the message today and the topic is the same, defeating the giant of despair. And while the Word of God is for all of us and every one of us, uh, I believe we'll glean something from the Word of God. But there is someone in particular. I, I rarely ever say this. I, I never say it frequently. But I believe there's someone in this listening audience today that God wants to speak to personally. And it's not about giving and it's not about an offering. It's not about our need. It's about your need and God wanting to meet it today. God loves you so much, dear friend, today. And I believe God is going to speak to you through his word today. Amen. Because you are in danger of, uh, you're already in discouragement and you're in danger of despair. And you are not the first person to find yourself in that condition. Amen. Even in scripture, the apostles found themselves in despair. And this giant had to be defeated for them to go on and carry the freight of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ today. If you're a minister of the gospel and you are discouraged today, listen carefully. If you're a Christian today and you are about to fall or have fallen into despair, amen, and, and you're considering things that no Christian should ever even entertain the thought of, I want you to listen carefully today. And I'm not just talking about people who have, have given thought to taking their own life because they see no other answer for the pain and pressure that they're in, but to, but to, 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 to lose faith in the faithfulness of God because of an answer that has been delayed. Amen in coming. And we're coming to the end of what we feel that we can stand or we can take. And, and, and I, I could give you cliches, you know, to do this and do that, let go and let God and all the others. But I want to give you something from the Word of God today. I want to share it with you from my heart and from the Scripture out of Second Corinthians once again. Second Corinthians chapter 1, verses 8 and 9. Listen to what the Apostle, Apostle Paul said about the circumstance they were in, the effect it had on them, and how God brought them up out of that place. But look where they were to think that someone had had the experiences he had had in the Lord and yet found himself in this place with the other apostles. In verse 8 and 9, it said, And we would not, brethren, have you to be ignorant of our trouble which came to us in Asia, how we were pressed beyond measure, out of measure, above strength, insomuch that we despaired even of life. 
Now, there are translations and expository, uh, expository preaching and teachings that say they, they saw, they felt they would be killed. Surely they would be killed and that would be the end of their vision for ministry and going forward. Uh, I, I do not agree with that. Although the threat on their life was constant throughout all of their ministries and, and uh, there came a time when Paul was indeed martyred, but this was not the time nor the place. And when the time came, he didn't feel pressed beyond measure. He didn't feel he just didn't want to live anymore. He was fully ready to lay down his life for the gospel. I've fought a good fight. I've kept the faith. Amen. I finished my course. I wasn't stopped short and I didn't stop running. Amen. I went all the way. Amen. I'm ready to be offered up, referring to the drink offering in the Old Testament that was poured out till the last drop. Praise God. Oh, friend of mine, this is about despair. They He despaired. They despaired of life. And it takes its toll on us. But verse 9 says, we had the sentence of death in ourselves that we should not trust in ourself, but in God who raises the dead. I really like one translation. It says we were forced to trust God totally. Amen. I'll tell you, whatever drives us into the arms of God to experience His grace and to obtain His mercy, glory to God, whatever that is, the devil has overplayed his hand because all he's done with the pressure is push us into the presence of God deeper than we would have ever went unless that pressure had been brought to bear and become that intense. And Paul actually came to the place where he said, I live, I'm dead, but I'm alive. Amen. That sentence of death is in us, but we learned something. How to live in, 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 in an experience, resurrection, power, and life. Because he said, it's really not me that lives. <laughs> I, I'm, I was dead, but I, I'm alive. But it's not really me that lives, but Christ that lives in me. Glory be to God. Amen. Despair is stalking the world today. It is a sign of the end times. Perilous times means dangerous, and it also connotates the reducing of the strength. Paul said here that, that, that above our strength to endure, it took us beyond our emotional fortitude to stand under the pressure that kept, uh, kept pushing us and pushing us and pushing us until we just rather go home and be with the Lord. Amen. But the devil will say, well, why don't you just take your life? No, this is not how this works for the believer. And listen, if you're not a Christian today, don't entertain that thought. God wants to save you. God wants to strengthen you. God wants you to to bring you out stronger, not bitter and battered and beleaguered, but better because of the trial that you may be going through. Listen, if this trial pushes you to the cross, if it brings you to Christ for the answer for your life and your soul, this trial, the intended evil is present in it. But the Bible said that God is able, amen, to 
take that which the devil means for evil and turn it to our good because he's able to subdue everything to himself. Oh, friend of mine, we are definitely in the perilous times of the last days. And despair is one of the giants that we have to face and we can defeat. But we can't do it without the grace of God. We can't do it without help from above. And that help comes when we are forced many times to trust God totally. We have to make a decision. I had to make a decision going through nervous exhaustion to keep questioning why, amen, instead of saying, Lord, I don't, I don't understand why. Maybe I wouldn't get it if you told me why. I love that great song they wrote years ago that we all have an affinity to, amen, and, 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 and it says we'll understand it better in the by and by. I'll ask the reason and he'll tell me why. But right now, we're asked to do something, amen, that we all have the capability of doing. We may feel too weak, and we may feel we don't have enough faith to do it. But I'm telling you, if we have faith as a grain of mustard seed, and we speak to the mountain, amen, the mountain is going to move, not us because God is going to act on the mountain and God is going to help us. Praise God. Amen. Hallelujah. We're asked to trust in the Lord with all of our heart and not to lean to our own understanding. I can't, I wish I could tell you the whys and the wherefores of everything that's happened in your life and why you lost a child, why you lost a husband. I know people who have a wonderful man of God. Why? Why? I don't know why, but I do know that God has a plan and God has a purpose and all things work together for good. You know, I, my wife used to do something for, for just relaxation and needlepoint. And, and she would have like a, like a hoop, uh, with nothing on it, like a canvas to be painted that you weave, uh, into until a pattern becomes apparent. And I would come home from work and, and, and I would, I would see that she had been working on it, but it was turned upside down. And I didn't know what it looked like or what it, what kind of pattern was taking place. Some, some scene was beginning to evolve. All I saw was the backside of it. And the backside of it had many different colored threads. And, and, and it may, it, it's chaos. <laughs> but when I turned it over, I saw that there was a pattern that was coming into view, halfway done, and it was going to be beautiful when it was finished. You see, on this side of heaven and this side of eternity, we, we operate in time. God operates in timeless eternity. And on this side of things, we don't understand, and maybe we can't till we get to heaven. Amen. And we ask the reason, and he tells us why. But one thing we know for sure, when God is weaving everything in our life for our eternal good, not our temporary convenience, but our eternal good and the eternal good of our loved ones, you can be sure, 
my brother, my sister, that God has a plan. God has a purpose. And one day we're going to look at the pattern that he has woven everything into, the good, bad, and the ugly. Amen. That's what we hold on to, isn't it, in Romans chapter 8, 30, 30 and, and 31. For we know that all things, for we know, for we know that all things work together for good to them that love the Lord and are the called according to his purpose. Glory be to God. Friend, I'm encouraging you today to not give place to the giant of despair. Amen. David went through that. He slayed giants without, with courage and confidence, didn't he? I mean, he talked to, to Goliath, which struck fear into all the soldiers in, in the armies of, of Israel and to King Saul himself. <laughs> Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that defies the armies of the living God? But when you get in discouragement and the giant of despair, this is a giant that rises up within us. It's not the giant without. The giant without is the problem, the pressure, the circumstance. But the giant within is the dangerous one. Amen. Because if you whip the giant within, the giant without, there's no more match for you. Praise God. It said David actually ran toward the giant when the giant said, I, I ask for a, I ask for a warrior and you send me a boy and I'll waste him. And David said, no, no, that's not how it's going down. I'm going to destroy you today because you're coming at me with sword and spear and shield, but I come against you in the name of the Lord God of Israel. And you know how the giant without fell. And I'm going to tell you today, the giant within is going to fall too. <laughs> Amen. Uh, to, to, to coin a phrase that's a title of a song, a pop song in the, in our culture, not too many months ago, another one is going to bite the dust. But this one is going to be the giant of discouragement and the giant of despair within you and within me when it arises. I've been in despair before. It's an awful place to be. I believe David described it when he spoke of being delivered from the horrible pit. I believe David described that, what was happening in him, amen, when he was running from his son Absalom and his countrymen that had turned on him and joined with his son in a conspiracy, a coup, if you please, to kill David and take the kingdom for themselves. And in the wilderness, he had to fight that giant within. He said things about the pressures and the problems that he had, and he had to face and go through and not be delivered from. So why art thou disquieted within me? Hope in God, for he shall yet be the health of thy countenance. He said things like God is our refuge and strength a very present or ever present help in the time of trouble. Therefore, we will not fear though the mountains be removed and cast into the midst of the sea. God is our refuge and strength, a very present, ever present help in the time of trouble. 
But he was in places in his life when he said, I can't take it anymore. Oh, that I had the wings of a dove. Then I would fly away to the wilderness and be at rest and hasten my escape from the windy storm and tempest. But as for me, you see, as for me, he was forced <laughs> by the pressures to turn his focus on the faithfulness of God, even when he couldn't see it, sense it, or feel it. But he knew it existed enough to turn his focus on the faithfulness of God. But as for me, I will trust in the Lord. Glory to God. People goaded him and said, said, fly away, run away, run away. And he said, how saith you unto my soul when he began to recover from that? How saith thou unto my soul, flee to your mountain? I'm not running anywhere. I don't need to run. Amen anymore. Amen. I, I am trusting in my God and he's, he's established me. Actually, he put it this way. He lifted me. We used to sing it. Sing that psalm where he said, He lifted me from the miry clay. In other words, from the place I could not possibly extract myself from, except he reached way down, took a hold of me and pulled me way up. He lifted me from the miry clay. He set my feet upon a rock. He didn't let me stand on a slippery slope to keep going right back in to discouragement and despair. He absolutely established me. And I'm telling you, you're going to be stronger. Not if he brings you through this, but when he brings you through it, if you will simply reach up. Reach up with what faith you have right now in the faithfulness of God and see it displayed on the cross, not in what you feel. Don't try to figure it all out. Just reach up to the hand that is reaching down for you. It used to be one of my dad's favorite songs because he, he, he had a nerve problem uh, and, and it troubled him his entire life. But he loved this, this part of a song that said, I was lost and undone without God nor his son when the Savior reached down for me, when he reached way down for me. And it helped him focus on a God who was not saying, if you don't, if you can't, if you can't climb up yourself, if you can't climb up here, uh, then, then, then your faith is too small and there's no hope for you. No, this is a God who reaches down. Hallelujah. This is a God who came down in the person of Jesus Christ so he could go to the cross so that he could deliver you. Deliver me, forgive us our sins, and deliver us from Satan's schemes. Hallelujah, and from Satan's bondage today. Praise God. Friend, there's hope in God for you today. Amen. The giant of despair within can fall, will fall, if we will but reach up to the God that is reaching down to us. You see, God knows where you are today. First Peter 3.12 says, For the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous, and His ears are open to their cry. 
But the face of the Lord is against them that do evil. And if you don't know Christ today, that can change. Right at, before this broadcast is finished today, you can come to the Lord. <laughs> you can have the blessing and you can have the benefit of being translated out of the powers of darkness into the kingdom of God's Son. And you can lay hold of this living hope that we have in our God and in Jesus Christ. God knows where you are. God knows where you are. I may be speaking to a minister today. I feel strongly that someone in this audience involved in ministry, God is speaking to. Ken Gobb had a television ministry. He had uh, different kinds of ministry opportunities and outreach. And, and let me give you his testimony today. God knows where you are. I want you to say that with me by faith. If you don't feel it, God knows where I am. He hasn't forsaken you. And he hasn't forgotten you. He told ancient Israel, I've inscribed you on my hands that I forget you not. <laughs> Hallelujah. Soldiers going into battle sometimes would actually have inscribed in their hand a, 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 a mini portrait of their family or representation of their family, maybe their names, so that they could, they didn't have a photograph to take with them into a foreign land somewhere where many months they might be uh, involved in some warfare, some battlefield. But they had it inscribed, and God said, I will inscribe you on my hand. Now, God is a spirit. He doesn't have a hand like us, but he's talking about his heart. Can a mother forsake her suckling child? Yes, she may. She may. Her love may not be that strong for that child that deserves it and should receive it. But I'll never forget you, <laughs> O house of Israel. I will never forget you. That's why Jesus said, lo, lo, I'm with you always. I will never, no, never. It's in the emphatic. I will never forsake you. I'll go with you all the way. Hallelujah. All the way, even to the end of the age. Let me read you Ken Gobb, this minister's testimony. And it begins with, God knows where I am. Do you believe that God not only loves you, I'm quoting him today, but knows where you are and what you're doing every minute of the day? I certainly do after an amazing experience I had several years ago. At the time, I was driving on I-75 near Dayton, Ohio, with my wife and children. That's here in America, of course. We turned off the highway for a rest and refreshment stop. My wife Barbara and children went into the restaurant. I suddenly felt the need to stretch my legs, so waved them off ahead, saying, I'll join them later. I bought a soft drink, and as I walked toward a Dairy Queen, feelings of self-pity enshrouded my mind. I loved the Lord and my ministry, but I felt drained, burdened. My cup was empty. Suddenly, the impatient ringing of a telephone nearby jarred me out of my doldrums. It was coming from a phone booth. Now, we're dating this testimony because it's long since the day of the phone booth. Now we've got our cell phones and such technology. But I remember, and many of you remember, uh, and, and if you don't, your parents certainly do. Amen. A day when there were phone booths in businesses and at certain corners. And it was at a service station on the corner. 
Wasn't anyone going to answer the phone, he said. Noise from traffic flowing through the busy intersection must have drowned out the sound because the service station attendant continued, continued looking after his customers, oblivious to the incessant ringing. Why doesn't somebody answer that phone, I muttered. I began reasoning it might be important. What if it's an emergency? Curiosity overcame my indifference. I stepped inside the booth and picked up the phone, and I said, Hello? And a lady, through tears, said, Are you Ken Gobb? That was his name. This is an incredible thing that happened to him. What can I do for you? Yes, I am. What, what, what can I do for you? She began weeping more profusely. Finally, she regained control and continued, I was about to commit suicide. Had just finished writing a note when I began to pray and tell God, Is there any way out? Do I really want to do this? Then I suddenly remembered seeing you on television and thought if I could just talk to you, maybe you could help me. I knew that 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 was impossible because I didn't know how to reach you. I didn't know anyone who could help me find you. Then some numbers came to my mind, and I scribbled them down. At this point, she began weeping again, and I prayed silently for wisdom to help her. She continued, I looked at the numbers and thought, wouldn't it be wonderful? If I had a miracle from God and he had given me Ken's phone number, I decided to try calling it. I can't believe I'm talking to you. Are you in your office in California? I replied, lady, I don't have an office in California. My office is in Yakima, Washington. A little surprised, she asked, oh, really? Then where are you? Don't you know I responded? You made the call. She explained, but I don't even know what area I'm calling. I just dialed the number that I had on this paper. He said, ma'am, you won't believe this, but I'm in a phone booth in Dayton, Ohio. Really? She exclaimed. Well, what are you doing there? I kidded her gently. Well, I'm answering the phone. It was ringing as I walked by, so I answered it. Knowing this encounter could only have been arranged by God, I began to counsel the woman. As she told me her despair and frustration, the presence of the Holy Spirit flooded the phone booth, giving me words of wisdom beyond my ability. In a matter of moments, she prayed the sinner's prayer and met the one who would lead her out of her situation into a new life. I walked away from that telephone booth with an electrifying sense of our Heavenly Father's concern for each of His children. What were the astronomical odds of this happening? With all the millions of phones and innumerable combination of numbers that only an all-knowing God could have caused that woman to call that number in that phone booth in that moment of time. Forgetting my drink and nearly bursting with exhilaration, I headed back to my family, wondering if they would believe my story. Maybe I better not tell this, I thought, but I couldn't contain it. 
Barb, you won't believe this. God knows where I am. Friend, I want to submit something to you today. God knows where you are too. God knows where you are. He knows who you are. And He knows where you are. And He knows why you are where you are. Maybe sin has put you there. Maybe, maybe self has put you there. And maybe, maybe just living in a fallen world has put you there. But I want you to know God knows where you are. Place yourself in His hands. Concentrate on knowing His will for your life. And that He will never, no, never forsake you. Never leave you. It may feel like it, but that isn't the truth at all. The truth is God loves you enough that He would give His only begotten Son for you. God loves you that much. He cares when you hurt. He feels it. He feels it. It's an amazing thing that God offers us more than sympathy. He he offers us empathy. For we don't have a high priest that is passed into the heavens that cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, Hebrews 4. But was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Therefore let us come boldly to the throne of grace to obtain mercy Grace to help in the time of any need. Run to God today. Trust God today. Look up today. Because God is reaching way down for you. If you're a Christian today and you're even ashamed that you could even find yourself in this place, God knows where you are. And God knows how to help you out of that place don't despair don't give up on God because God will never no never give up on you and if you don't know Christ today you're without God and therefore without hope in this present world run to Jesus don't run from him he's reaching way down And it's not just a mighty hand that can reach far enough and pull you out strong enough. But it's a nail-scarred hand. He loves you enough to do it. And He'll do it today. Don't give up. Look up. In Jesus' name.